Welcome to Funny Women Behind the Scenes, a sequined covered podcast hosted by international showgirl and comedian Ivy Page. We'll be exploring what it's really like to work in the entertainment industry, from live comedy and cabaret to television and film. Brought to you by Funny Women, the leading community for female comedy. So let's get on with the show and welcome your host, Ivy Page. Hello and welcome to the real life work of art or piece of work, award deserving, flame haired, titan of teas. Yes, it's me, Ivy Page. It's time to take a seat on my chaise lounge in my personal burlesque boudoir as we break the fourth wall, draw back the velvet curtains, and reveal what really happens behind the scenes. They are the boss babes in the buff on a mission to celebrate body positivity and demystifying fanny fact from fanny fiction. And in honour of them, I am sat here naked, although I should say I am wearing a robe, as I didn't warn Richard, our production manager, beforehand. And as the queen of teas, you know I am a firm believer in always leave them wanting more. So let's not beat around the bush. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, the stars and creators of the smash hit show, The Naked Podcast. Welcome Kat and Jen. Hello, Ivy! <laughs> Hello! Oh, I'm loving the cheers. I feel like that's the most human interaction I've had all year. <laughs> Did you hear this? Because we're up north. And I believe, where are you? Down south is your boudoir down south. My burlesque boudoir. I'm in tier three. Yeah, so are we. We hear you. We just wondered if our cheers may have reached you all that way down there. <laughs> They're reaching me and I'm having all the all the socially distanced hugs I possibly can. So, ladies, I've got a question. I always ask it to my guests before we kind of crack on with the more in-depth, serious stuff. Um Chocolate, do you keep it in the fridge or in the cupboard? Oh, great question. So it's Jen here, and for me, it's always in the fridge. I really like it hard and tasty and cool. And I like the fact that if it's been in the fridge, you can stick it in your mouth and it heats up and melts whilst it's there. So, yeah, that's for me. I, I always prefer it straight from the fridge, uh, specifically uh, Kit Kats. Mwah. Oh, no, no, no. That sounds awful. The Kit Kat wafer will go all soggy. I've got a real confession here. No one's ever asked me this. So I've never had to think about changing it. But our treaty box, as we like to call it in my house, is in the lounge. And so when we buy new things from the shops, they end up just kind of on the sofa or underneath the table in the living room just for easy access when we're watching telly, which is very slovenly because really I should put it away instead of just shoveling into my face while watching I'm a Celebrity. The one thing that I have found out since I've been asking this question is everybody has a treat box. Oh, yeah. yeah. It didn't used to be called the treaty box until when Jen comes around to record a podcast around at my house, I would always say, oh, would you like a little treat from the tin? And so she started calling it the treaty box and it's the treaty box evermore. It's a nice proper tin and when you shake it, you can really hear what's inside. So if it's a bit light, then you know I've had a 
good go at it the night before. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's not so upmarket, Ivy. Mine is uh, an old Cadbury's Hero uh, purple. Oh, plastic or metal? <laughs> plastic. Oh, no thanks. Plastic. And oh, it's no, got no. all kinds of detritus in there. I think there's still some <laughs> old... Uh, iPhone chargers, <laughs> iPhone chargers, and just bits from Halloween that never was. You know what I mean? So that that's that's how my treaty box looks. And are you a um, a Kit Kat chunky or a, a four finger Kit Kat? Oh, great question! <laughs> I think it's got a bit. Yeah, I, I have to say, uh, if you had me over hot coals, it would be a Kit Kat chunky. Yep, definitely. Oh, no, I like two fingered Kit Kats with the foil and the paper because the four finger Kit Kats normally now come in plastic. So I like to have two of the two-fingered ones. But sometimes the tinfoil stays on the uh, finger. Stick. Yeah, and there's been more than one occasion where I've eaten that tinfoil as then, well. once I ate tinfoil and got an electric shock through my filling, I Googled it because I was like, is this a real thing? And it turns out it is. So, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have a specific way that I eat Kit Kat. I like to, like, gnaw the chocolate. Around the sides. Yes, 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 Ivy. That's I was as you were saying that I was uh, clicking my fingers and whirling my uh, fist around my head, being like, "Yes, that's exactly the way I do it as well." So basically, what we've all discovered is we've got Kit Kat fetishes. So uh, treat box aside, well, I, you know what your your podcast is a treat box. Um, let's talk about it. So the Naked Podcast. For those that, where have you been? If you've not heard it, can you explain what the Naked Podcast is? We'll get our treat boxes out every episode. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Jenny and I strip off with a different guest each episode. We are two friends, one guest, and there are no clothes. And there genuinely are no clothes. At the start of each episode, we strip off, we take off our clothes and record that moment as they fall to the floor. With all the embarrassment that that entails, with the hilarity, with the kind of thing where you have to shuffle around to get your bra off. And then... We sit down and chat about life for an hour. We talk about things that our guest is proud of. We talk about adventures they've been on. We talk about things that have happened to them that have helped shape their lives. So it's a real mixture of emotions. We've got laughter. We've sometimes got tears. We've got absolute mind-boggling moments sometimes and confessions from people. And it's all basically to try and get us all to feel a bit better about what's underneath our clothes. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of the topics that you cover in the Naked podcast. And there was one that, one, I want to say thank you for this particular podcast. It really spoke to me, which was the cervical screening episode, which was incredible. I mean, let's talk more about that. Um, I actually had stage three uh, pre-cervical uh, cancerous cells so to listen to how much you were talking about that process and you actually well let's tell everybody you you did a cervical screening live on your podcast yeah so we normally sit down and record with a different guest each time it is predominantly women we have done men's specials but normally we sit down and we uh, have a chat for an hour and publish that as the podcast but we decided when we were coming up with series three before we knew about coronavirus that actually maybe it was about time that we used some of our power for good rather than evil which we could have gone that way but no we decided actually what could we do with this platform how can we help women feel better about what's underneath their clothes and absolutely everything to do with that so one of the things that we've always felt quite sad about was when we would hear from women who and people with vaginas who would say I am 
worried or I don't really like smear tests and I just put it off or or I've never I haven't had sex with a different person for a long time so I don't need it or I recently had a baby so I'll be all right because you know I'm fine and actually we thought I wonder if there's anything we can do to tackle this and maybe smash some of the taboos or the stigmas or just the questions and maybe if you have put off going for a screening test then this might help you understand a bit more about the process so I went to Meet Dr. Naomi Sutton, who is off the telly. She does a sex clinic on E4. She's also a proper doctor, so she knows what she's doing. All fine. Uh, and I had my three yearly annual cervical screening test and I recorded it for the podcast. So um, it was funny as well. We had She shared lots of, uh, lots of stories with us and bust some of the, the myths and the stigmas and the idea that many of us might be worried about of well, what happens if I get there, take my knickers off and there's a smell. And she goes, do you know what? I, ju- I just don't notice. The only thing I might notice is if you've got really smelly feet, if it's a hot day in the summer. And I just love that. And I think the more that we can do to expose the truths behind all of the things that we have to go through, the better it is for all of us. Because yeah, as you say, Ivy, if you've had precancerous cells, that, that in itself sounds terrifying. But if we all know a bit more about the process and what that means, it'll help us all to go for this free, potentially life-saving test. You're, I completely agree with you. I mean, I had no idea, really, the process until I had to go through with it. And you know, we talk about like demystifying some of the facts. You know, I was one of those people that had a really uncomfortable screening the first time, so dreaded it and, you know thought about putting it off had to go back during uh covid which was was quite an experience um so to hear how you were talking about it how the doctor was saying it doesn't matter if you haven't shaved <laughs> just don't wear a onesie i think that was a good tip the idea that if you arrive in a onesie you're essentially going to be lying there naked because <laughs> you have to take it off I wanted to ask you both, how do you feel about burlesque? Obviously, that's my world. I mean, you're in my burlesque boudoir right now. Um, and, you know, in burlesque, we remove our clothes. So have you ever done any burlesque? Well, I haven't, no. Um, but it's something that's always interested and intrigued me. We have actually spoken to a burlesque, uh, a former burlesque performer who now uh, called Tiggs Rice, who now actually uh, photographs... photographs. Uh, Yes, right. So, and she's awesome. So the way she kind of described um, the the art of burlesque really, really uh, in, intrigued me and enticed me. Um, I would I give it a go? Absolutely. If I was taken by the hand by somebody like yourself, I guess Ivy, who knows a thing or two about how to actually do it, um, I, I I would be absolutely up for that because what I loved what when Tiggs was talking about is how you can it's 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 all about the gaze of the audience and reclaiming that gaze on the uh, the naked body or the female body the female form it can be men as well um but that really really interested me um and i would love love to find out more yeah but i have never done it myself can you you have given it a go well, have you not i don't know if uh, this is a good thing or not, but I've done it at Hindus, which I feel maybe isn't the proper experience, but we have... A taster session. Yeah, well, yeah, we do it as a lesson. Yeah. So a couple of hours. Oh, I love that. I've done that. I've taught workshops on uh, hen parties. And did, did you nipple tassel twirl? Yes. We didn't actually get our nipples out, but we stuck them on the outside of our clothes. Ivy, <laughs> I have got a question though. Do, do you think, because I, I, I am... Um, 
I always wonder, would my tits be big enough to do the t- nipple tassels? That's the only thing, because they, they are quite small and slightly sagging now after I've had a baby. So does, does it matter how small your boobs are to do the nipple tassels or do you have to have a bit of like kind of meat behind your boobs? I can tell you now, boob size has had nothing to do with it. I mean, I've had small boobs and now I have enhanced boobs. Um and really size has got nothing to do with it i'll tell you a top trick a top trick if you ever want to do nipple tassel twirling is kind of bounce on your feet and the motion from the bouncing will make the tassels twirl oh this is great this every day is a school school day and cat's actually up in the studio (laughs) giving uh uh, jiggling her uh, chest around seeing if we could do it so this is oh uh, great thank you ivy i love i love um conversations where you can take something away and that has been brilliant thank you You're listening to Funny Women Behind the Scenes. All the backstage gossip and more. So the other question I wanted to ask you is, how did the Naked Podcast come about? What what, what was that moment when you two sat down and said, we want to do a podcast and it's going to be naked? And why was it naked? Okay, so great question. It is a question that many people ask us um, and... Everyone deserves to know. So Kat and I were buddies back in a a radio station we used to work at, BBC Radio York, shout out, um, about eight or nine years ago we met and um, <laughs> that, that makes me laugh because whenever Jenny talks about how long we've known each other she adds about five years every time so we've now known each other <laughs> longer than we've been, been alive 10 years it has been nearly 10 years nearly 200 10. <laughs> years we've known <laughs> one another but we have we, we've been pals for all that time and um, both Kat and I work now at BBC Radio Sheffield but we had been away uh, individually doing different projects and uh, we came back to Radio Sheffield and we're like let's do something different so we can change things up a little bit and um we had kind of talked and knocked around ideas about uh podcasts and wanting to capture those kind of conversations that we had with our girlfriends as i said before like down the pub um and the way that we made each other laugh and we wanted to try and encapsulate that in some kind of recording but i gotta hand it to her it was kat who came up with the naked concept So I text Jen and I nearly didn't because I thought she is going to just think this is ridiculous and I'm going to just be really embarrassed. But I text and I was like, Jen, I've had a look. There's no one else doing a podcast called The Naked Podcast. Why don't we do that and actually get naked? And we also wondered whether or not being naked would actually make people speak differently. And we found out pretty quickly that it would. So even in our first episode, when Jenny and I see each other naked for the first time and sit down and and talk a bit more, the conversation goes through real waves of kind of hilarity and embarrassment and kind of high energy to then real reflection on on thinking about our bodies and thinking about our lives and and what meaningful things have, have happened to us to shape us into who we are at the moment. So Jen talks a bit about... Um, the issues that she had around eating when she was younger. Yeah, so I I struggled uh, with um, a kind of bulimia in my uh, early sort of teens into my 20s um, and I hadn't even spoken to my... My my family knew, but like they... We hadn't really had a proper conversation about it and it was only... And Kat didn't know, none of my friends knew and it was only when um, we sat down and yeah opened the mic I just found myself talking about it for the first time um and I wasn't embarrassed about it um I thought that actually on reflection because I thought well 
if this goes out there to the, to the wide world, this is going to reveal something about myself that not anybody knows about. Um, but actually in doing that, it reclaimed it really. And, and it meant that I didn't have to hide behind any kind of shame or stigma. Um, and actually no one felt any different about me for admitting that I'd struggled with my eating. Um, Kat, you had a similar situation in terms of you were talking about your mum as yeah, well. Yeah, so my mum had Huntington's disease. And one of the things when we started the podcast was our mission really was trying to see if we could encourage people to feel differently about themselves. So we're both in our 30s and so many of our brilliant, wonderful, beautiful, hilarious, clever, funny, intelligent female friends talk badly about themselves. And it's just really painful to listen to because you think that that's not who you are. That's not what we see. And so we thought, I wonder if we can encourage people to feel better about themselves and to choose to think positively. Uh, and for me, I think it all came home to the fact that my mum had Huntington's disease, which is a hereditary genetic degenerative disorder, which affects your brain. So she gradually, over the course of about 15 years, became more disabled. She couldn't walk. She ended up not being able to talk properly. She couldn't swallow, affected all her muscles. Uh, and then she died when she was 54 and I was 24. And this disease is uh, genetic and I could inherit this disease. I've got a 50-50 chance of whether or not I have the gene that causes Huntington's disease. Now, I haven't had the test to tell me whether or not I do, uh, and I, I'm not planning on it at the moment, but I suddenly just had this real awakening one day when I was thinking, oh, I probably won't have that slice of cake because, you know, the size of my bum, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, hang on, what a colossal waste of time thinking that because this is the only body that I've got. It might not stay this way forever. So I challenged myself that way to look at it with kindness and to think, actually, no, hang on, what can I do? And I realized so many of the things in life that I thought other people had told me I couldn't do actually just came from me. So I never thought I was a runner. In the first episode, I say, oh, I've done 10K, but I could never do a half marathon. And I realized, hang on, there's no one standing outside my door saying that I can't do it and preventing me. It's only me. So I then put my trainers on. I've now done two half marathons. And until the bin fire of 2020, I was training for the London Marathon, which I should have done uh, earlier in 2020. So I think it was just a real wake up call for us. So hang on, let's all see what we can do to talk more positively about ourselves. I think the message about talking more positively about yourselves is is just an incredible thing to put out there in you know in the wider world. The thing that was occurring to me when I was listening, I've been listening, is that you might be naked, but it's kind of naked emotionally as well. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things as well I particularly like about being naked is kind of how pointless it is. So when we first started, somebody tweeted us, and I imagine he speaks like this, but uh, he was like, this is as pointless as the time the BBC had a ventriloquist on the radio. And I absolutely howled when I saw that because I thought, yeah, mate, you're, you're kind of right because nobody can see we're naked, but that isn't the point. The point is it's about the challenge of getting naked because we're British. We're so weird about getting naked. The idea of going to a changing room and getting changed in front of other strangers would just oh, make my insides curl up and think, no, thank you. So the idea of then sitting down and talking for a whole hour whilst stark bollock naked, <laughs> it, just, it was ludicrous to me. So the fact that we then sat down and then we discovered that actually, yeah, this vulnerability 
comes from being naked and you can't sit there and pull your top down over what you think is your muffin tops and you can't hide what you think are your terrible thighs well they're not terrible they're just there they're just thighs they're your thighs like get on with it but also we notice that you know although it might start off where we're all a bit embarrassed uh, because often we're stripping off with somebody we might not even have met before uh, in person actually after about five or ten minutes you kind of do forget that you're naked in the first place. Um, and a lot of the women who've agreed to be on the podcast and the blokes as well, um, but mainly the women have seen it as a bit of a challenge to see if they can do it. Some people would be like, I've been dreading this. I hope you would cancel on my drive down here. But actually when they do it, um, at the end of the conversation, we say, oh, well, how do you feel now? And so many of the answers have got, well, in fact, all of them, no one has ever come back and said, oh, do you know what? I really wish I hadn't done that. I feel exposed. <laughs> Everyone said, Not that they've told us anyway. <laughs> Not to our faces. But they say, you know, it's been quite cathartic or, you know, it's been, because how, how often do you get that opportunity to sit with other women and talk about your bodies or talk about yourself even? And celebrate yeah. all the good things. And what I love about it is that often people will sit down and tell us a story and then they'll really underplay their own part in that story. And it's not until me and Jenny go, whoa, 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 hang on. What you did there was incredible. It was amazing. You should be so proud of yourself. And you sort of see people's demeanour change a bit mm. because they look a bit shy and they kind of go, oh, yeah, well, I maybe. suppose it was all right, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then they really grow in confidence. And what I love as well is we've had so many messages from women who've been on our podcast who go, thank you. This was the real start of something for me. I always say when people ask me about when I'm doing like a burlesque routine is I'm revealing more than just my body. You, you seem, Ivy, very confident about your body. And uh, Have you always felt this confident about your body? No, actually, I've gone on quite a journey with my body. So I was a very, very chubby little child, freckly, ginger, um, always the funny fat one. And I, I really had, I lacked confidence, but everybody would have said I was confident. And when I found burlesque, um, I just felt I found this space for myself. And I really found a way to start to connect to who I was, my physicality, and and then then the the real confidence started to grow, um, and then from there I I got into fitness. I lost a load of weight, which was just my own choice, um, and then interestingly, I had a you know we all know what this industry can be like. I would have I had people tell me that because I'd lost weight and now I was a you know, quote unquote bombshell, I was more sellable. I was more marketable. You can only imagine what that did to my head. That just sent me into some spiral of like, okay, so I'm only judged on what I look like because my talent is the same <laughs> from whatever size I was. So for me, um, the kind of confidence has come as I've got older. It's a, I feel like I've, I turned 40 this year and that felt quite monumental. And I think in the last two years, that's when I've really found that inner confidence that's not based on somebody telling me how, you know, if I'm beautiful or, or what it might, I look like. I've had people say, you're too fat. You're too thin. I mean, when I was bigger, they told me I was too fat. When I was thin, they told me I was too skinny and I'd lost all my curves. Now I think uh, it's about what makes me happy <laughs> and I'm going to have that bit of cake. Yes. Good for you. Absolutely. And backstage, does everyone who does burlesque feel the same way? 
Um, do you know what? I can't blanket say that because it's an individual journey and it's an in- individual performance process. Um, and everybody's kind of got, a, everybody has a different voice. So they will be exploring different things through their art and their kind of creation. For me, I've always been interested in kind of smashing some taboos around the like over sexualization of women. Um, that's definitely something that I'm interested in as a performer. Um, but, you know, the best way to really understand burlesque is to get out there and see it. Or, you know, see, there's lots of online shows at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone doing Zoom calls from their yeah, front bedroom. Everyone, everyone. A few feathers up in the background. But I do, there is some correlation as well between uh, what you were saying about the journey that you went on. Um, and also the journey between like ourselves and the podcast and how we individually feel about uh, getting naked. Because Kat, you were not into getting naked. I was quite <laughs> happy with my body when we first started recording, which was about three years ago. So it, it, getting my kit off didn't it didn't worry me too much. Um, obviously, my relationship with my body has changed over that time because I've had a kid. And yeah, there's a whole different complex things that go on in your head about how you feel about whether ownership of your body and all that kind of stuff. Um, but now I think through doing the podcast, I, it has allowed me um, to feel like absolutely okay and happy in my skin. Cascar, you were absolutely <laughs> like, in our first episode, she turned away from me. You wouldn't even look at me, would you? Yeah. For someone who texts you with the idea of the naked podcast, it seems very ridiculous that I never liked getting naked. I'm much better now, but even when I was at home, I used to grab a towel as soon as I was out of the shower. I didn't like the feeling of breeze on naked flesh. I didn't like looking in a full length mirror at my body. I think I'd grown up as so many people do feeling like they needed to lose weight and feeling like I didn't fit in a, in a society full of people that wanted to look like Kate Moss or people who looked like Kate Moss and were as thin as that. And I'm never going to be as thin as that. And I, well, obviously now I don't want to, but there was no chance in hell I was ever going to even look a shred like that so it was just fruitless even dreaming or thinking I needed to look like that so yeah when we first started recording you can hear it in the first episode I had my arms crossed over my chest really tightly hugging my boobs turned away from Jenny and then eventually I I turned around and even when we were recording I was really um, stiff stiff sitting there kind of until I finally was able to relax a bit more And then as we went on with the series and and recorded with more people, I started to get a bit more used to just taking my clothes off until now. I just (laughs) whip them off, no problem. Um, But I just... You can be vulva casting, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We went vulva casting, so I plunged my uh, vulva into a small peanut dish full of pink gunk. in your clunge. Yeah, in order to uh, (laughs) cast my vulva. So yeah, we've come a long way. (laughs) But I think for me, it was sitting down and seeing women and speaking to women who had my body shape and who told stories that I could be telling. So told stories of trying to lose weight when when they were younger and feeling like they were the biggest of all of their friends. But then I would look and I would listen to their stories and I think, but you are gorgeous and you are beautiful and what an incredible strength that you've got within your body to do all of these things that you've talked about. And then I suddenly one day just thought, hang on a minute, my body looks like her body and I think she looks great. So maybe I could feel that way about myself. And From then on, it was a conscious decision to look at my body and celebrate the role, celebrate that belly fat that I can grab while I'm sitting on the sofa, shake my bum in the mirror and see the flesh move. Because this body gets me round 
half marathon courses, hopefully a marathon course. This body takes me on great adventures. This body's this body goes to the pub with their friends, my friends, when uh, it's allowed. You know, all of these things that I have now kind of decided to do. And it was all genuinely thanks to getting naked. Well, you're speaking to me. I absolutely completely agree with you. The the idea that you just you just ha- celebrate all all our bodies. You know, I've got cellulite now and I'm happy with that. It could, that's my cellulite. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, own it. That as well, isn't it? It's just, it's about owning it. I've got one question to ask you before we have to, this has gone so quickly. It's been absolute joy talking to it's you. Been wonderful. Um, I wanted to ask you about women in broadcasting and well, lots of people are going to be listening to this. They're going to be wondering, how do I get into that? What's the process? So I wondered if you could give them a couple of top tips about the best way you know to get into broadcasting right my main one before any practical tips of which I have many is have an inner belief in yourself you've got to fake it till you make it you've got to feel confident because there's plenty of people out there that will push ahead of you in the queue if you even if you've got much better skills than they have and I learned this the hard way I saw a job that I liked the look of and I thought, oh, I haven't, well, I haven't got all of the, uh, that haven't, oh, I can't say, I can't criteria. Yeah. yeah, I've got all the criteria. I can't do that. And then somebody I know told me about a mutual person that we both knew that was going for the job. And I was like, hang on a minute. He's hardly done anything. I've done loads more. And I went for it and I got that job. And I think through speaking to women for the podcast and women for uh, my day job, so a reporter at Radio Sheffield, I realized just how often I'll speak to a man and say, will you come on the radio and talk about this, you know, particular subject? And they'll go, yeah, fine. When? Whereas if I speak to a woman, even if it's the world's greatest expert on it, so often they defer to a man, defer to someone else and go, oh no, my colleague John can do that. And I just think we it's need a confidence, to, it's it? a confidence yeah. thing. And I think it, it is scary and it is terrifying. But if you really want to do something, you can do it. Don't let anybody else hold you back. And that's a lesson that I've learned a really, you know, difficult way. And even now, I still have to push myself to do things that I don't feel comfortable with. So often Jenny's my cheerleader for this and I'll ring her and go, I just don't think I can do this. It's not for me. And she'll go, you can. If you don't do it, just think there'll be someone else who will. This is your time. You need to do it. So I think my advice is believe in yourself and hold firm in that belief. Our funny women listeners, that uh, that is fantastic advice for them because I know particularly during this period, um, having access, well, we've all got mobile phones, so the potential that everything could, well, this could be a podcast, um, that's absolutely amazing advice. Thank you so much. Now, before you go, please, can you tell everybody about how they can find you? Oh, yes, I think we can. <laughs> so the podcast is called, very simply, The Naked Podcast. You can find it on your podcast app. Just search for The Naked Podcast. We've got a bright pink logo, which most people don't realise, I don't think, but is designed around the shape of the vulva. There's a little inside info. <laughs> you can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at The Naked Podcast. Ladies, it's been an absolute joy, an absolute pleasure talking to you on Behind the Scenes. So um, big thank you from me, your hostess of the mostest, International Showgirl Ivy Page. And from all of the team at Funny Women, make sure you tune in to The Naked Podcast. I'll be listening to the next episode. Thanks very much, ladies. Nip, nip, hooray! You're listening to Funny Women Behind the Scenes.
Ah, and here's Lynn Parker, the founder of Funny Women. Now, Lynn, I know you've been lent against my gin cabinet throughout the whole of that interview, but one of the things I wanted to ask you particularly was the idea of feeling naked on stage doing stand-up, and I'm using that term metaphorically, I should say, because I've just branched out into the world of stand-up comedy, and I have to say it's a very different experience than being funny in a cabaret setting. So what advice would you give to people at the beginning, I suppose, of a a stand-up comedy journey? Well, did you, question for you, did you decide whether to do your act as your stage persona of Ivy, Ivy Page or did you decide to do your stand-up as your normal everyday self? What what was your what was your mental note to yourself? My mental note to myself. Well, that's a question I spent a long time asking because Ivy Page, and I'm talking about myself in the third person now. Um, she has got a whole. Well, I've been doing it for a long time. Very established. So I think there's a certain expectation of the types of humour I would have in this voice. But me, off in you know normal me, I think there's more material I can mine. So that's what I decide. That's the voice I decided to use. So as you know very well from performing um, burlesque and as a singer, that it's all about the persona, isn't it? It's that thing. So another question for you: You come on stage in your stand-up persona, and the first thing you hear is a heckle, the classic heckle: "Heckle, get your tits out." Now, what would you do as stand-up and what would you do as a burlesque? What's the difference between the two responses? I'd probably say you couldn't afford them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're the most expensive thing in the show. Um, Do you know what? In In a burlesque setting, I would play around with that because obviously there might be some expectation in terms of burlesque striptease uh, and we would acknowledge that and kind of have fun with it I think in a setting where nobody's taking off anything it's very different um so I think I would try to use my quick wit to put them down well to find humor in it to be to find humor in it I think what I'd like to say to you and I think that the experience that I see from someone like you and other women in stand-up who really own their persona, their sexuality, the fact that they're attractive. You know, I, I have noticed over the last 18 years that their women are much more, they're dressing up more for st- for stage. They're they're definitely going out and 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 be owning the way they look far more than they did when I started out. I mean, I can remember somebody telling uh, female comedians very at the very beginning of when we first set up Funny Women that women shouldn't dress up to go on stage. You know, I mean, I like to see any, I like to see a man dressed up as well. You know, I like to see a man looking sharp on stage. Mm. But, you know, that there's this kind of, you know, downplaying and I I don't think we should do that anymore. I feel naked if I haven't got my false eyelashes on. <laughs> I feel naked without uh, without mascara on. <laughs> They're almost like weapons, aren't they? But I yeah. use that I yeah. use that in a in actually a positive term. But yeah. um, it's like our armor. 
Yeah. So so just in response to the interview with with Kat and Jen, do they do they use their nakedness in the sense of their podcast? Do they use that? Do they are they weaponizing or are they disarming? That's a very that's a very interesting thought. Yeah, I just kept thinking while we were talking how there's so many similarities thematically with the revealing more than just your body through nakedness, which really links to me to burlesque and to and to that you know particular genre that I always set out when I first created Ivy Page that I knew my character would reveal would always reveal more than just her body would be stories and memories and humor but that would be part of the burlesque striptease it's like that peeling away mm-hmm. peeling away um so so for you the, the 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 takeaway from this and this discussion is how do you bring some of that element into your stand-up you know don't don't move completely away from that i think you said to me that at the beginning you just stripped it all back, but then we talked about it and you started to put some elements of Ivy back into your stand-up performance. So don't lose what's natural to you. You know, what you've been doing, you've, you've had amazing experience uh, doing burlesque, being on The Voice, all of those things. So that's all part of your persona and should be very much a part of your stand-up act going forward. You know me, I love glamour. She says, laying on her chaise lounge in her feather bound silk knickers hanging from the laundry. I'm, I'm off back to my big knickers now, <laughs> Ivy Page. But, but it was lovely to talk to you, as always. It was lovely to talk to you. And, um, and I'll see you by the gym cabinet very soon. You've been listening to Funny Women Behind the Scenes with Ivy Page. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share. 